بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وسلم تسليما I've been discussing nasiha as a general concept based on the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam recorded by Imam Muslim in his Sahih and by others from Tamim al-Dari radiyallahu anhu says the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said al-deen al-nasiha qulna liman قَالَ لِلَّهِ وَلِكِتَابِهِ وَلِرَسُولِهِ وَلِأَئِمَّةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَعَامَّتِهِمْ The Prophet said, Religion is nasiha. We said, for whom? The Prophet replied, For Allah, for his book, and for his messenger, and for the leaders of the Muslims, and their common, common folk. I've already explained this hadith in detail and I've clarified that nasiha here refers to purity, sincerity, genuineness, being true, etc. <clears throat> Today I'd like to speak about one part of this overall concept of nasiha and nusah, which is the common form of nasiha which we are most familiar with, i.e. advice. So in Asian language, well, in many languages, Asian as, as well as others, in Muslim cultures all over the world, where the word nasiha is used, <clears throat> almost invariably, especially in non-Arabic languages, it's used to refer to good counsel and advice. And as I've explained, this isn't an incorrect meaning. It's just that this is merely a part of the overall concept of nusah and nasiha. So, how should we understand nasiha? The giving of advice, the seeking of advice. What? should be our approach, what are its etiquettes, what should be our understanding. 
It may seem rather simple that advice, you can ask anyone for advice, but there is much wisdom in the verses of the Holy Quran and in the teachings of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, even in relation to this simple regular human activity of seeking good counsel and seeking help and advice from others. <clears throat> Today I'd, I'd like to focus on seeking advice, obtaining advice and nasiha. Once again, nasiha and its related term nusr, which are both used in the hadith, means being sincere, being genuine, being true, wishing well, seeking the best for the other person, harboring the best intentions for the other person <clears throat> wanting for them what one wants for oneself having the other person's welfare and best interests at heart all of these meanings and more are actually contained in the single Arabic word nasiha. And the ulama of Arabic have explained that there is no other word which encompasses all of these meanings other than the word nasiha. It's a very unique word. So this is the general concept of nasiha. And the phrase, or sorry, the term nasiha, which we are most accustomed to, i.e. advice, that is merely a part of it, and it's closely related. So what should be our approach to seeking advice? <clears throat> this is a very sensitive and critical topic. Major decisions are made on the basis of other people's counsel and advice when we seek it. And so one needs to be very careful. We learn from the teachings of the Qur'an and the Hadith and the legacy of the ulama as to how a person should actually seek nasiha. From whom? With what etiquettes? And in which frame of mind, and in which state of heart? First of all, from whom? This is probably the most important aspect of nasiha. When you seek advice, find someone who fulfills all the, well, if not all, then at least as many qualities of nasiha 
as possible as described in the Hadith. So you need to find someone who has your best interests at heart. One who is sincere towards you. One who is genuine towards you. One who wishes well for you. And not just well, but wishes the best for you. Someone who is selfless in giving that advice. And in fact, one of the meanings of nasiha, advice, is a distillation and a percolation of all of these noble feelings and teachings of purity, genuineness and sincerity. It's almost as though the word nasiha means that when that person gives you advice, they extract the most pure, genuine, sincere, well-intended, well-meant and well-wished words of advice for you. That's nasiha. So you need to find someone who has all these qualities. And this is why, <clears throat> before I continue, let me go back to that famous hadith of Rasulullah about dreams. And we learn from the, from the ahadith that when a person sees a dream, one should be very careful about whom that individual relates a dream to. And this is why in a hadith related by Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal in his Musnad, from the companion Abu Razin radiyallahu the Prophet sallallahu says as part of a longer hadith that uh, dreams are about dreams. At the end, the wording is, لا يحدث بها إلا حبيباً أو لبيباً That the seer of this dream, when he sees a dream, he should not relate this dream except to a habib or labib. And in another narration from the same companion, again by Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal in his Muslim, the wording is, Except to a wad or a dhura'i. And in another narration, again by Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, in fact, uh, by Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi alayhi from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu an, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, he should not relate his dream to anyone except except to an alim or a nasih. Of course, there are other narrations as well, but let's just suffice with these. So here we've come across a few terms in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam about that person whom you should confide in 
with your dreams. Dreams can represent a person's worst fears or innermost secrets and hopes and aspirations. Dreams mainly are related to one's thoughts and at times they aren't. It could be, a dream could be from Allah, a dream could be from the shaitan. And it's open to interpretation. And obviously, when someone interprets the dream, you will be affected by it. You will immediately take those words of interpretation to heart. Whatever the reality and the manifestation of the interpretation of that dream at a later stage, it's human nature that once you've seen a dream, it remains open and vague. But once someone interprets it for you, it brings it into narrow focus. Now, you are not fixated on the dream as much as you are fixated on the actual interpretation given by someone else. So the Prophet ﷺ has advised us that <clears throat> one should only confide in the following people with one's dreams. So who are they? From the hadith we've learnt, Habib, Labib, Wad, Dhura'i, Alim, Nasih. And that's just from these three narrations. So who are they? Habib means a beloved. Labib means a very intelligent person. And the other narration, illa ala wad, wad more or less is the same as Habib, someone who loves. So it's the same thing, Habib wad. The other person is illa ala Someone of opinion. Now, it's similar to someone who's very intelligent. So, someone who loves you. Someone that you love. Someone who is very intelligent. Someone who is of sound opinion and I'll explain all of these and finally in the final hadith or one should not relate one's dreams except to an alim or to a nasih one who is sincerely a well-wisher <clears throat> again it doesn't mean advisor it means someone who is sincere and genuine and wishes well and has your best interests and your welfare at heart. Although the, this hadith, these hadith are about dreams, it's a very good teaching about confiding in and consulting only someone who has these qualities. And that's by the explicit command of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so I would say that when it comes to seeking nasiha, advice and counsel, 
when we when we when it comes to consulting someone, whether it's about dreams or reality, whether whether it's about a vision that we've seen, a dream that we've had, or whether it's about what we are experiencing, or something that we need clarification on, advice on, anything. When we need to consult someone and seek their advice, then we should apply the same principle of these hadith. And only confide in and only consult, only consult someone of these qualities. So who are they? And now I'm not talking about dreams, I'm talking about nasiha. When we want advice, the least we should ensure is that the nasih, the person giving us advice, the person that we are consulting, that we are confiding in, should be someone of these attributes and characteristics mentioned by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Number one, Habib Wad. Someone who loves you and someone that you love. And the meaning of love is not just the love between <clears throat> husband and wife or siblings. Of course. Who are it means family, it means marriage. It means parents, it means siblings, it means children. But it also extends to others. Because it's highly unlikely every individual is going to find <coughs> a dhu or an alim, especially in one's own family. So this refers to others as well. Others, it could be friends but genuine friends, friends that you truly care for and that you know care for you. <coughs> so the first, first of all, the person should be a wad or habi, meaning someone who loves you, cares for you and that you love and that you care for. Someone who's genuine in their friendship. Someone who's sincere in their friendship. <clears throat> Number two, apart from being a Habib, they should be Labib as well. Of course, in the Hadith it says Habib or Labib. And it, of course, it doesn't mean that a person has to combine all of these qualities because that's almost, that's extremely difficult, improbable for most people. So <clears throat> the person should be a Habib. A word, someone who truly cares for you, loves you, and that you care for and love in return. Or the person should be a labib. Labib means highly intelligent. And <coughs> in the other hadith, the wording is the ra'i, meaning someone of sound opinion. Now, Everyone has an opinion. That's not what's referred to here. In Arabic, when this phrase is used, ذو ماذ, ذو علم, 
ذُرَأِ one of wealth, one of knowledge, one of opinion, then what? حَظْ someone of great fortune, <coughs> then it's always superlative and exaggerated. So ilm, someone of knowledge, meaning a man of, or a person of great knowledge, a person of great intelligence, a person of great fortune, a person of immense wealth. If you say ذو مال or ذو علم. <coughs> and here, ذو رأي in Arabic normally refers to someone who is of good, sound, intelligent, worthy opinion that people respect and look up to. So who would normally be of who would normally be considered Dhurai, someone of sound opinion, someone of intelligence, wisdom, experience, age, seniority, authority? That's a Dhurai. That's what you call a Labib, someone who's highly intelligent. And in the other hadith, Prophet says, One should not relate one's dream except to an alim, someone of knowledge. Or to a nasih. A nasih doesn't just mean an advisor. Anybody can be an advisor. It means someone who has all of those qualities of nusah and nasihah. Sincerity, purity, genuineness, the person is a well-wisher, has your best interests and your welfare at heart. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to seeking advice, these are the type of people that we should be looking for, that we should be consulting. Because we are confiding in someone and consulting them in order to make far-reaching decisions with consequences, with repercussions, with far-reaching effects, long-term effects, and very serious and major decisions, normally of life. When the Prophet says, that one should not relate one's dream, or again, one shouldn't confide in or consult someone, except anyone except an alim or a nasih, someone who is genuinely concerned for you, has your welfare and best interests at heart. This will guarantee, this will ensure sincere, meaningful, helpful, genuine advice. This is what we should be seeking. If someone does not fit these qualities, then what tends to happen, Allahu Akbar, 
and allow me to share some experience with you <clears throat> in problems that I have dealt with and continue to deal with, which people find themselves in because of their unfortunate tragedy of having confided in and consulted people who do not fulfill these qualities. Families have been destroyed. Children have been torn from their parents. Parents have been banished from their parenthood. Marriages have been destroyed. People have lost immense wealth. People have had their careers destroyed. Their lifelong work and lifetime achievements thrown down the drain. People have fallen into depression because of the decisions they've made based on other people's advice. That, unfortunately, they themselves confided in that they consulted. And some of that advice may have been unsolicited. People love giving advice and telling people what to do. One should be very, very careful. As I said, it has been my unfortunate experience to deal with so many issues over the years that, are, that, that bear these consequences that I have just outlined and all based on ill-intended insincere advice. How am I able to say it's insincere? Because in many of these cases, later it transpired that there was an ulterior motive, and that became evident. The advice wasn't well meant. When a person, before Islam, when people wanted to make a decision, they would consult the gods. They would consult the oracle. They would go to soothsayers, seers, shamans, sorcerers, fortune tellers. Diviners. And even in 
centers of culture, education, and learning, of philosophy. In ancient, ancient Athens, Greece, in Rome, in Alexandria, in the cradles of civilization, Egypt and Mesopotamia, even in these bustling, advanced cities full of beautiful architecture, engineering, philosophy, libraries, learning, wisdom, people would still consult soothsayers, shamans, witch doctors. They would go to shrines, to statues. They would go to fortune tellers who wouldn't just gaze into a ball. They'd slaughter animals and look into their entrails. They would release birds. They'd use arrows of divination. And this continued, Allahu Akbar. Islam gave us two teachings. Well, one teaching made up of two components to replace all of this. Istikhara and istishara. Which is that Allah and His Rasul sallam, have taught us that when you want to consult someone, when you want some indication of what to do, when you are unsure, or even if you are sure, because people would go to these shrines for blessings. So they more or less knew what they wanted. But for ratification, for confirmation, they would go for blessings. What Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu have taught us. It's very simple. Istikhara and istishara. Istikhara, the seeking of khayr, good. Istishara, the seeking of ishara and indication. of advice. You do istikhara from Allah. You seek blessings and khayr from Allah through dua. It's not a consultation. And istishara, you consult the creation. So you seek blessings from the creator and you consult the creation. We don't visit fortune tellers, soothsayers, witch doctors, sorcerers, shamans, shrines, or any such thing. We turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua of istikhara, which is not a consultation, it's merely seeking the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and good from him. And then we also do istishara, meaning we consult the creation of Allah. 
and we make sure that we only approach those responsible people that have been outlined in these ahadith in relation to confiding in them or consulting them about dreams. The same principle would apply about confiding in them and consulting them for decisions. If I can just give the example, any major decision, it could be employment, a career, one's future, relocation, problems that one has, And it goes without saying, probably the key area of consultation and confiding in others is in relation to marriage, marriage and divorce. This is the most common area and sadly the most critical and sensitive. As I said, so many wrong decisions have been made, so many lives have been destroyed, so many marriages have been broken because of advice sought from the wrong people, advice given by the wrong people. The person whom we consult has to be sincere. They have to be sincere. They shouldn't be someone who is trying to please you. Otherwise, we might as well talk to a mirror. Or stand in an echo chamber. As I said, there are many etiquettes. There's an approach, there's a frame of mind, there's a state of heart. So let me begin with sincerity. When we seek advice, we should ensure that we ourselves are sincere in seeking that advice and that the person that we consult and confide in is also someone who is sincere. If there is sincerity in both people, that advice will be meaningful, helpful, and productive. How can we ensure that we are sincere ourselves? We really have to question our hearts. Sometimes, in fact often, what happens is that our lower self, our nafs, our own desires, our own wishes and hopes come in the way. Our own hopes come in the way. And they blind us. Or even if they don't blind us, we know the dangers, we know the risks, we know the harms and the disadvantages, we know the ills. But our nafs, our lower self, our ego, our desires, all of these collude to pushing those risks and dangers and those red flags and those warnings into the corner. 
And then when we seek advice, in this state of heart, often what we do is not seek sincere advice, we seek validation. We seek affirmation. We want someone to help remove our doubts. That lingering doubt. And so we go seeking advice with a preconceived mind, with prejudgment. We already know what we want. We just want someone to tell us what we want to hear so that we can feel better ourselves. Subhanallah, if we cannot be sincere ourselves in seeking advice, how can we expect sincerity from others even in giving that advice? So we need to be sincere. And there's no question about this because the reality is the truth is bitter. And when a person seeks, seeks advice... Genuine, sincere advice. And someone dispenses that sincere and genuine advice, well-meant advice. It may be very bitter, it may be very hard to bear and very hard to hear, let alone act on. So we have to be sincere. If we are not sincere in seeking that advice, then we're wasting our time on other people's time. So how can we ensure that we are sincere? Go with an open mind. A genuine open mind. Reflect on what you want. Not what you want in the long term. Reflect on what you want from this consultation and this seeking advice. So the first thing is sincerity. If we are sincere, and inshallah, if the person giving advice is sincere, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide and bless our choices and our decisions. Speaking of marriage in the Holy Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ شِقَاقَ بَيْنِهِمَا فَبَعَثُوا حَكَمًا مِّنْ أَهْلِهِ وَحَكَمًا مِّنْ أَهْلِهَا so we don't have time to go into the details, but this is a verse of the Holy Qur'an in which Allah says that if you fear the division and the conflict of them two, meaning husband and wife. Then send an arbitrator from his family and an arbitrator from her family. So a representative of the husband and a representative of the wife. And then Allah Azza wa Jal says, إِن يُرِيدَ if they both 
meaning not husband and wife, but the two hakam, the two arbitrators, the two representatives. In yurida islah, if they both seek reconciliation, Allah will reconcile the two, meaning the husband and wife. So, in short, what this verse says is that in the event of disagreement and conflicts between husband and wife, where they cannot resolve matters between themselves, and it leads to the ch- choosing a representative from his family, sorry, uh, a representative from his family and a representative from her family, they come together to try and sort out things. If they are both sincere, through the barakah and the blessing of their sincerity, Allah will bring about peace, love and harmony and reconciliation between these two warring husband and wife. Even though prior to this, they could not resolve anything themselves. This is why they had to resort to representatives from their respective families. Because they couldn't resolve it themselves. That's what sincerity does. So if we are sincere in seeking advice, and the person dispensing that advice is sincere through the barakah and the blessing of that sincerity in both individuals, the consulting individual and the consulted individual, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide us to a good, meaningful, productive, and inshallah blessed decision. We have to be sincere first. And that means with an open mind. In Surah Al-Asr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالْعَسْرِ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاسَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاسَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ That by time, indeed man is in a state of great loss. Except for those who believe and who do good deeds. And... So Allah mentions the believers. And Allah mentions four attributes of theirs. These are the saved ones. These are the ones who are not in a loss. But these are the winners. Who are the winners? They have four attributes. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Except for those who believe. Believe. Number two. وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And who do good deeds. Number three. وَتَوَاسَوْ بِالْ They counsel one another and advise one another and exhort each other to the truth. And number four, and they exhort one another, advise one another, counsel one another to perseverance. So the reason for mentioning this verse is, this is what believers do. In their sincerity, to each other, and in their sincerity to Allah. Believers advise one another and counsel one another with the truth, with haqq. Not what the other person wants to hear, but with the bitter, bare, honest truth, no matter how unpalatable it may be. That's what they do. So when we seek advice, we should be sincere first, open our hearts, open our minds, 
and be willing and ready to accept the advice given to us, even though it may be bitter. Because what we are looking for is not affirmation, is not validation, it's not just confirmation of what we already feel and want and what we think. The advice that we want is haq, the truth, the reality. That's what we want. So first of all, we should be sincere in seeking advice. And we should ensure that the person that we are seeking advice from is sincere themselves. It shouldn't be just a friend who wants to tell you exactly what you want to hear. It shouldn't just be a friend. If a thief consults a thief and asks a thief, asks the thief, I want to steal. Should I steal? The thief will say, of course, and I'll join you. If we are seeking advice from like-minded individuals, then it's just standing in an echo chamber. It's ratification, confirmation, validation, affirmation of what we already want and think and desire. That's not seeking advice. That's, we're just deluding ourselves. We truly are deceiving ourselves. And this is why sometimes when we seek advice and we're told the truth, we don't like it and we refuse to act on it. In fact, we would become angry. As Allah says about the munafiqoon in the Quran, And when it is said to him, Fear Allah, be wary of Allah, arrogance in sin seizes him. So if we, especially if we ourselves, take the initiative and approach someone and seek their advice, then we should be sincere ourselves with an open heart and mind and be willing to accept what they tell us, no matter how bitter the truth may be, no matter how hard it may be. So sincerity in ourselves and in the other person. When we approach someone for advice, we should look for not just sincerity, but wisdom and knowledge. As the Prophet says in that hadith about dreams, do not relate to your dreams, or dreams should not be related except to except to an alim, or in the other hadith, labiba, except to a highly intelligent person. Or in the other hadith, or someone of great sound opinion. It makes sense. If you want advice, if you want to consult someone, consult someone of knowledge, of wisdom, of intelligence, of experience. 
if you're just going to ask a friend, that doesn't mean that one can't consult one's friends. Of course, one's at liberty to do what they or what whatever one chooses. But this is the teaching of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If that person is wise, intelligent, and truly cares for you and is sincere and truly wishes well for you, then fine. But often what tends to happen, and as I said, if I can just give the example of marriage again, in so many cases, people, even in marriage and divorce, they ignore the advice of their parents, of their mothers, of their fathers, of their older siblings, of their brothers and sisters, of their own immediate family. And casting all these people aside, seniors, elders, they seek and act and cling on to the advice of their friends, of the same age, of the same persuasion, of the same mindset. Where is the wisdom? Where is the intelligence? Where is the sense in that? And these are lifelong decisions. Friends fade, friendships fade. Friends come and go, friends change. Your father will always be your father. Your mother will always be your mother. Your older brothers and siblings will always be your older brothers and siblings. And so often, friends, acquaintances, colleagues, they haven't got the time, the emotional energy and strength, or the mental and emotional capacity to listen to your whinging and your complaining about your problems. So, sometimes their advice can be very dismissive, as I've said before. And these are facts I've dealt with so many cases where a husband and wife have their troubles. One, either the husband or the wife. The husband consults his friends. The friends have their own issues. They haven't got the time or the mental and emotional energy to listen to all of this and absorb it. To be an emotional or verbal punching bag. Or the proverbial wall to lean on. They don't have the time or the mental and emotional energy. And they probably feel, listen, we've come out to have a good time, not to listen to your woes and your tears. But they won't say that. And often what tends to happen is he's going on about his marital problems and what do friends say? Very dismissively. 
very curtly. Divorce her. Get rid of her. One friend says it. The second one says it. The third one says it. Simple. Divorce her. Get rid of her. Leave her. This is so common. It's dismissive. And some people end up acting on that. Not in fact, yeah, some people do end up acting on that advice. Same goes for the wife on some occasions where she will again offload onto her friends. Friends, they don't have the time, the mental and emotional energy. When family members don't have that emotional energy, you think friends and acquaintances and colleagues and strangers will have that time and energy? Subhanallah, on so many occasions, when people contact me regarding marital issues, in the past, I've said to people, speak, one of the first things I say is speak to your family. You have to, you have to speak to your family. First and foremost. And in some cases, people have actually said that we can't speak to the family. Why? It's because they're sick and tired of it. Some family members have gone to the extent of saying to their own siblings, and some parents have said to their own children, that, look, you are our son. And you're welcome to come home, to eat, to drink, to meet with us, to mix and mingle with us, and to be here as a son, as a brother. But we don't want to hear a word about your marriage or your problems. So you can come and eat. You're my son, but I don't want to hear a word about your marriage. You're our brother, but we don't want to hear a word about your marriage. Family members have told me themselves. Because in some instances I've dealt with one side of the family, then I've gone to the actual family members, parents and siblings have told me, we don't want to have anything to do with it. We're sick and tired of it. So I'm just saying this as an example that when parents at times and family members, siblings, don't have the mental and emotional energy and capacity to deal with and to absorb all this offloading and all these issues and problems. How do we expect strangers, colleagues, friends, acquaintances to be able to absorb all of this and to have that mental and emotional energy and strength to deal with it? So what do they do? They advise very dismissively. And sometimes, as I said, it's vicarious advice. So there have been many cases. Again, I'm giving you examples in a generic way, in a general way, 
of issues that I've personally dealt with. Where, for instance, one friend consults his friend. They're both married. He says to him, I'm going through these problems. That friend says, divorce her. He then goes and divorces his wife. Because in that state of confusion, bewilderment, pain, emotional pain, he acts on his friend's advice. It then later emerges that the friend who gave him the advice to divorce his wife was actually suffering ten times worse than him. So why didn't he act on his own advice? It's because it's something he wanted to do, but never ever had the strength or the courage to do it. So he played out his fancy of divorcing his wife vicariously through his friend. It's that anger that, yeah, you should divorce your wife, get rid of her. And that's actually divorce by proxy. And the other way as well. Allahu Akbar. Husbands have clearly told me that I divorced my wife because my friends advised me. Wives have told me I've sought a divorce. Why? What do your family say? Oh, they're all against it. I never really consulted them. Well, who's asked you? Oh, sorry, who advised you? On what basis? My friends have been telling me. Allahu Akbar. Like I said, friends fade. Friendships fade. Friendships fall. People change. One should only confide in and consult a habib, labib, alim, dhura'i, nasih. As the Prophet ﷺ says in these hadith, one who truly cares for you, someone who truly loves you, someone that you care for, that you hold dear, that you respect and love, someone intelligent, someone of good sound opinion, of wisdom, someone who wishes well for you, harbours the best interests and wishes for you. These are the people who should be consulted. Not just anyone. And when it says alim, it doesn't mean go to any alim either. It truly doesn't. Allahu Akbar. As I've said, people request others to do istikhara for them. Istikhara is not a consultation. It's talabul khair for those, for the students and the ulama of Arabic. Istikhara ala wazn istifa'al bi khasiyat talab means the seeking of khair. Istikhara doesn't mean that you are consulting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are seeking his blessing. And 
the way to do istikhara is simply this. You don't just do istikhara if you are in doubt. You do istikhara even if you are sure that you want to do something. Istikhara, the way, the way istikhara and istishara work, as I understand it, and as I've always understood it and practiced it, is as follows. What people would do before is they want to do something. So they'll ask others, they'll do all their homework, they'll check everything. And then, let's say they want to start a project, a building project. So they do all the homework, they do they gather all the information. And then just before they start, touch wood. <laughs> touch wood. Wish me good luck, and they begin. Or in traditionally, they go to a suse. We do istishara and then istikhara. Istishara is we do our homework. If you want to buy a car, simple act of buying a car, you do all your homework. Once you've done your homework, you then make dua to Allah. Even in, let's say, buying a car. And the dua of istikhara is Allahumma inni astakhiruka bi ilmik wa astaghfiruka bi qudratik wa as'aluka min fadlika al-azim fa innaka taqdiru wa la aqdir wa ta'lamu wa la a'lam wa anta allamu al-ghuyub Allahumma in kuntu ta'lamu anna hadha al-amr khaylunni fi dini wa ma'ashi wa aqibati amri faqdiruhu li wa yassiruhu li thumma barik li fi وَإِنْ كُنْتَ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ هَذَا الْأَمْرَ شَرْمْنِي فِي دِينِي وَمَعَاشِي وَعَاقِبَةِ أَمْرِي فَاصْرِفْنِي عَنْهُ فَاصْرِفُ عَنِّي وَاصْرِفْنِي عَنْهُ وَقْضِي لَيَ الْخَيْرَ حَيْثُ كَانَ ثُمَّ أَرْضِنِي بِهِ This is a dua. And what does the dua say? The translation is, Oh Allah, I seek your blessing through your knowledge. And I seek strength through your power. And I ask you of your immense bounty. For indeed, you have all power and I have no power. And for indeed, you know and I have no knowledge. And you indeed are the knower, the great knower of all things unseen. O oh Allah, if you know that this matter, and it could be anything, Buying a house, buying a car, making a purchase, starting a new job. Marriage, a business venture, it could absolutely be anything. Allahumma in kunta ta'alamu anna hadha al-amr. Oh Allah, if you know that this matter, this thing, is better for me, is good for me, in my religion, in my life and livelihood, and in the ultimate consequence of my affair, meaning my akhirah, my afterlife. What's the wording thereafter? Oh Allah, show me a dream. Oh Allah, give me a sign. Oh Allah, give me some indication. No. فَقْدِرْهُ لِي وَيَسِّرْهُ لِي ثُمَّ بَارِكْ لِي فِي if you know that it's good for me, 
in my religion, in my life and livelihood, and in the ultimate consequence of my affair, i.e. my afterlife, then do what, O Allah? O Allah, faqdirhu li. Then decree it for me, and make it easy for me, and then bless it for me. And conversely, O Allah, if you know that this matter is ill for me, in my religion, in my life and livelihood, in my, for my hereafter, then do what, O Allah? Show me a sign? Give me dreams? No. فَصْرِفْهُ عَنِّي وَصْرِفْنِي Then, O Allah, turn it away from me and turn me away from it. وَقْدِرْ لِيَ الْخَيْرِ حَيْثُ كَانَ ثُمَّ أَرْضِنِي بِهِ then decree good for me wherever else it may be, and then make me content with it. This is the dua of istikhara. Nothing about ishara, signs, indications, signals, dreams, colors, feelings, inclination of the heart, nothing. Nothing. So if Allah, ultimately the dua of istikhara is, is a dua, is subject to acceptance and rejection. And like any other dua, if it's accepted, there's no guaranteed way of you knowing that it's been accepted. And if it's rejected, there's no guaranteed way of you knowing that it's been rejected. Like any other dua, it's a dua, it's subject to acceptance or rejection. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts your dua and Allah knows that this thing is good for you and Allah decrees it for you you, without seeing any sign or without seeing any signals or indication any dreams you still won't know whether the fact that this is going ahead is because Allah has accepted your dua of istikhara. There's no way of knowing. So then, what do you do? Well, this is it. You do istishara, you consult the right people. Once they have helped you and guided you to your choice and decision, then you do istikhara you pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeking Allah's khair and blessings. And what, what do you do once you've sought Allah's khair and blessings? It's a way of saying, oh Allah, you know I do not know. And I seek power through your strength. Or I, think I seek strength through your power. And I seek blessings through your knowledge. It's a way of man, a human being, a woman, saying that, oh Allah, I've done what I can in my own human way. Beyond that, I have no knowledge of the unseen. That I leave to you. So on earth, in terms of making inquiries, finding out things, making my preparations, I've done whatever is required. But because my knowledge is deficient, I have no knowledge of the unseen. Despite all of this, I still do not know whether this is good or bad for me. So Allah, that I leave to you. And I can only beseech you, I can only pray to you 
that in your infinite knowledge, I can only ask you, though, Allah, if this is bad for me, turn it away from me. If it's good for me, then decree it and bless it for me. There's no way of knowing. So you do istishara, consult people, seek people's advice, sincerely, genuinely, from the right people, with the right credentials, and then you do your istikhara, and then you leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no waiting for signs, indications. It's rare that a person's heart can switch from one thing to the other in one night. And as I was saying, even... I started off by saying about consulting alims. It doesn't mean you consult any alim. People have consulted ulama even. But in what way? They've actually told the ulama, this is an issue, what do you think I should do? So the alim will say, I'll do istikhara for you. I'll do istikhara for you. The alim does istikhara. Some of them charge for it as well. And then goes to sleep next morning. They actually receive a phone call or make a phone call and they actually say yes or no based on how they feel and which side of the bed they got out of, what dreams they had. And that's someone totally detached and removed from the situation. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. I've spoken in general generic terms. I won't reveal any details about anyone that would help identify anyone. But I have dealt with so many cases where people have consulted. People have made life-changing, far-reaching, drastic and extremely damaging decisions based on advice from totally incompetent, unqualified, careless individuals who are totally detached and removed, who do not have their best interests and their welfare at heart. And as a result, lives have been destroyed. We really need to be careful about how we seek advice and who we seek it from. I've been talking about nasiha all these weeks, and this is part of nasiha. And nasiha, seeking good counsel, seeking advice, is about sincerity, purity, genuineness, wanting the best, wishing the best. That person who gives you advice should be one who tries to follow the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى يُحِبَّ لِأَخِيهِ مَا يُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِهِ One of you does not believe until he desires for his brother that which he desires for himself. Truly. My humble and sincere appeal to everyone is that even in the simple task of seeking advice, of confiding in others, of consulting others, especially for major life-changing decisions. Please, try to follow 
This advice gleaned from the verses of the Holy Quran and from the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that nasiha should be from a nasih, should be from a true well-wisher, a sincere individual who wishes the best for you, genuinely, who tells you the bitter truth, who is transparent, who is one of knowledge, who is one of wisdom, who is one of intelligence, one of good, sound opinion. All of these have been mentioned in the hadith. Someone who truly cares for you, who has wood and hub for you, love for you. My humble and sincere appeal is that this is something we should strive to do. Gain nasiha from the people of nasiha, not just from anyone. I'll end with one or two final things. I said that we have to be sincere ourselves. If we want sincerity from the other person, we need to be sincere ourselves. One. Number two, if we want clarity from the other person, we need to be clear ourselves. If we want clarity from the other individual, we need to be clear ourselves. So this is part of the etiquette of seeking advice. Which is, that if you want to consult someone, be mindful of their time, of their attention, be grateful for their time and their attention. Do not waste their time. Be clear, be concise. Know what you want so that they know how to advise you. And what I mean by know what you want, this doesn't contradict what I said earlier on, that if you just want something, you don't want to go just for affirmation or validation. What I mean by know what you want is know what you want from this consultation itself. Are you seeking advice or are you just venting? Are you just, do you, are you genuinely seeking a solution or do you want to confuse others just as you are confused yourself? So, so many times I deal with cases, and this is where I have said before we should apply the three A's. Amend. Accept. Or abandon. In any situation, if you find the situation bothersome, troublesome, unpalatable, unacceptable, or troubling. What do you do? Number one, amend it. Change the situation. There's no point complaining, complaining all the time. Change the situation. Try to change the situation. If you can change it, alhamdulillah, job done. If you can't change it, then move on to the next day, which is accept it. Accept it. 
Just accept it. If for any reason you can't accept it, then harsh as it may sound, the only third option is abandonment. You abandon the situation. You walk away. Let's give the example of a job. Someone's employed. They hate their employment. So they consult someone and say, should I leave the job or not? Sorry, what should I do? This is a problem I'm having at work. Now, they go through an endless list of the problems. Office gossip, office politics. Does the other person really want to know all of that? It doesn't concern them. All of that is irrelevant. You mention some of the main key points I'm having. These are some of the problems I'm having at work. Major problems, fine, concise. Key points, fine. Have you tried to change the situation? No. Well, well yeah, I, I have. Has it worked? Have you been able to change anything? No. Do you think you can change anything? No. Fine. Well, in that case, just accept it then. No, I can't. I can't carry on like this. In that case, leave the job. No, I don't want to leave the job either. Okay, what do you want? You're now asking for the impossible. So if you are so unclear yourself and so confused, how do you expect clarity from the other person? You can't expect the impossible and apply the same to marriage. Common, when it comes to marriage and problems in marriage, number one, amend. Amend the situation. I've tried. Nothing's changed. Fine, accept it then. No, I can't accept it. Fine then, leave it. I can't leave either. Well, you just have to go back to number two then. You have to accept it. But so often I have to ask people, what solution do you seek? What solution do you seek? So we need to be clear ourselves. We can't just treat the mustansah, meaning the one who is being consulted. We can't treat the mustansah. the consultant, the person we are confiding in and consulting, we can't treat them as a punching bag. On whom we are offloading our troubles. We can't. It's unfair on them. So we need to be sincere ourselves and find a sincere person. We need to approach a person of knowledge, a person of wisdom, a person of intelligence, a person of good sound opinion, someone who truly cares for you, someone who is sincere and wishes well. And then we need to be clear ourselves what we want from that consultation. And there are all the other etiquettes of seeking knowledge that apply to. But this is not the time to 
include them, but they do apply as well. So all the etiquettes mentioned in the Qur'an and the Ahadith about gaining knowledge, about seeking knowledge, they apply too. Obviously, if someone's just consulting one's parents or one's older siblings or elders, then, of course, etiquette still apply. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to understand, may Allah make us amongst those who, when we seek nasiha, do so in the proper manner, with the right frame of mind, with the right state of heart, and most importantly, Allah enables us to approach the right people. Those who can guide us and advise us with sincerity, with care, with knowledge, with wisdom, with genuineness. And through the barakah and the blessing of our own sincerity and their sincerity, may Allah guide us to making productive, meaningful, fruitful and blessed decisions. Wassallallahu wasallam ala abdihi wa rasooli nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shadu an la ilaha illa an istaghfiruka wa atubu ilaha.